This show is sponsored by NatureBox. NatureBox ships tasty and guilt-free snacks right to your door with over 100 flavors to choose from like Asiago and Cheddar Cheese Crisps, Pistachio Power Clusters, and Big Island Pineapple. You'll never get bored of snacking again. Try NatureBox for free by going to naturebox.com forward slash bad Christian. That's naturebox.com forward slash bad Christian. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. What's up, you right-wing, religious, fundamentalist, Christian extremist? Ruining the world with your uh, self-righteousness. Well, you just stepped into the wrong damn podcast. My name is Matt Carter, and we're going to get y'all straightened out here shortly. But first, let me distract you with a couple of exciting promotional announcements. You know, like at church, they tell you about the coat drive and the potluck and the women's group. Well... I've got better stuff than that. We got the Bad Christian Podcast live this week on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday in Orlando, in Tampa, and in Jacksonville, Florida. There are some tickets left. You can go to badchristian.com forward slash Live and get a ticket. You can even get on the waiting list and get a ticket for free probably, or you can name your own price, whatever. If you're a member of the BC Club, your ticket's free. Just go sign up. Please do this right now. Seriously, right now badchristian.com forward slash bcpodlive. The next most important thing being the Emory's record is now on sale for pre-order and that's at youwerneveralone.com. We've had a big week. Um, people are loving the record. You're going to love it. Go ahead and pre-order it. You can get the vinyl. The vinyl is beautiful. It's going to be amazing. You're going to love it. It's the coolest thing you can get. It's a good price. So you go to youwerneveralone.com and shop there. There's also a streaming player over there of the other podcast that I do called Break It Down, where I go through all the Emory songs and talk about them, how they were made. You can hear five songs from You Were Never Alone right now, plus a bunch of extra commentary and other stuff that Toby and I did for it. So that's called Break It Down with Matt Carter. You can search it on iTunes. You can Google it. You can find it. Uh, you can go to breakitdownpodcast.net and find the subscribe and the RSS over there. But we're not just a recording outfit, you see. Emory is a live band that plays on stages and blows people away, and it's insane. You got to see it. Go to emorymusic.com, see the tour dates. We're doing the West Coast. There's VIP packages available, general admission tickets you can buy from us right there on our site, emorymusic.com. West Coast, Southwest, Texas, we're coming your way. All right, now let's get back to the serious matter of instructing today's youth. Let's do this. Take it away. Three. Two, one, hit it. I said, Have y'all been practicing? Got me. You got me. Joey Song, it got me. (laughs) Stop it, Christian Funky. It is. Your song got me, Joey. Was it? Y'all, y'all must have been practicing because that is really good. Really good. No, Are you that, serious? That was just that was just straight organized. up all me. Improv, baby. <laughs> it wasn't yeah, and it wasn't uh it was it was musical. It wasn't just being obnoxious. So it was some style and I appreciated it. Yeah, Joey's one hell of a singer. Well thanks. Matt, I, I'm hoping that maybe this podcast episode I feel the same way about all the bullshit you are hey, saying. Not this early in the podcast. Yeah, you had to you had to say the cuss word immediately. You know how many you know how many people <laughs> middle class white people just Turn this podcast off. <laughs> <laughs> now, Joey does get uh, accused from time to time. I guess we all do, but I think I notice it maybe a little bit with Joey, the, the kind of the intentional cussing. 
You know, like, yeah. I don't, and I, I'm sorry. I, you know, you don't know my heart. No, I don't. I don't know your heart. You but sometimes it heart. feels like you have to throw a, a upper a capitalized damn into a text message or something you write on the blog, and you kind of say it the same way. Like you're, Ooh, it's, it's almost yeah. like see, you're sometimes aware that you're cussing, which makes it a little less cool. <laughs> no, see, I think yeah. what's I think what's crazy is you guys having a hard time seeing when when I'm being very trippy and jokey. Like, yes, I, I, I never can tell that. Well, I, I, apparent, apparently not, because half the time I'm know, joking what, around. No, that's what I'm saying. I, so I basically, Matt can't. thinks you're like the the guy at work that thinks the other two guys are pretty cool, and sometimes they cuss. Right. And then you, that's right. <laughs> hey, man, what's the what's the haps on the bullshit going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get this damn thing going, guys. Exactly. Shit. <laughs> if you say if you pause before and after the cuss word and say it in it. a higher tone, then you know that it, was, it was inserted. Hey, hey y'all don't even know this. Um, and y'all, y'all are gonna think it's the crazy shift that I'm taking right now. But I've got to tell y'all, Nick Bunda, I asked him. Nick Bunda works for Bad Christian. Yeah, in case you don't a, know who he's he is, he's our producer. And I said, hey, I, I think there were some tweets going back and forth about uh, d- depression and suicide and Rick Warren and all that stuff. I was just like, hey, Nick, go ahead and try to get Rick Warren on the podcast. And I said, <laughs> I said it's worth a shot. You know what he replies? What? Who's Rick Warren? Yeah, I don't think a lot of people know him. That blew my mind. You're in the Christian world. Yeah, but he he's like Joel Osteen, right? I mean, I guess I not. He's not as. I don't think he's as famous as Joel Osteen. Golly, I mean, I, he's not really that famous of a preacher, is he? He's more like he wrote the book. He has uh, a big church whatever. and he has the purpose driven life. But yeah, I mean, you know, I purpose driven life. That's his book. I would, I couldn't even recall it, but um. But that book sold like unbelievable. Oh, I mean, yeah. He's got a significant platform. Well, speaking <laughs> of pastors, let's take a second and let's thank and talk about our sponsor real quick. And I say pastors because X3 Watch does stuff like X3 Groups. They have the X3 Watch software that monitors your porn and internet usage that Toby and Joey and I use. But yep. I was talking to Carl from uh, that does the X3 Groups. He works at, for, for the that organization. And he runs a pastor's only group that meets at 7.30 in the morning online to yeah. do accountability and to talk about stuff. And yeah, I joined them one time. Joey was oh, did you do that? Yeah, yeah, I was going to do yeah. it, but I'm not, you know, I'm too lazy. Or maybe it's because I'm Pacific time. I didn't want to get up. But it's it's crazy to me because it's pastors only and they have to be accountable online with other pastors because all of them say, and I don't, y'all can weigh in on this, but they couldn't have accountability with people they know because yeah. they're because of their job being pastor, which I think that's terrible. I'm glad the group exists. I'm glad they at least have that, but I don't know what to make of that situation. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll say this. I was super impressed by their transparency. Yeah. I hate to say this, but I really thought I was going to get on there and they're going to say, yeah, I've been struggling with bouncing my eyes a little bit. How about you, brother? But no, yeah. it was in-depth, like... That's great. Here's where I struggled. Here's what I yeah. looked at. Here's how I feel. And yeah, and like sort of I, 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 one of them you said like killed a prostitute. Yeah. One, but he was, was honest like about a, it. A, a, yeah, yeah, one of them war, said, a drug warlord. One of them said I can't get off emorymusic.com <laughs> without masturbating. I mean, no, he did just, not say that, Joey. That's the worst <laughs> that, thing you could think of. That, <laughs> I said killed a prostitute. I just wanted. I to said a it. drug warlord, and you said. You had to bring up Emory. No, I was just trying to extend the funny. What's crazy is you thought the prostitute stuff Think was of funny. something really bad. <laughs> Think of something really bad that one of those pastors could have said. I don't want to say it. Just say one Do you realize thing. how bad I can say something? No, not. We're making it up. 
I didn't really think that a pastor killed a prostitute. What the, do you get? That? Was the <laughs> that was, was the group good, Joey? So you thought it was effective and useful and all that stuff? Yeah, I think so. I mean, just just the fact it's that great they're that being, they're doing. What did you confess? Open. It says. Huh? What did you confess to the group? Uh, it's been a little bouncing too long. his eyes. Yeah, he, 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 he bounced his eyes a little slowly once. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but seriously, I think that's a great thing. They do the X3 groups as well as have the software. I think it says something about the, the environments that, that we create for pastors, not them. I think these, you know, give these guys a... Uh, give them a damn Give them hand. a hand, uh, you know, pardon the pun. But, uh, but anyway, X3 Watch, Toby, Joey, and I use it. These pastors use it. You need to be accountable. We believe in accountability. So get real. Go to x3watch.com forward slash badchristian today. Yes. Hey, I, can I say something real quick? Because I want to hear what what's causing Toby some strife in his heart. Yeah, mm. I can tell there's something mm. there's something weighing on you, brother. Mm. But I said I said something jokingly about uh, Pastor Rick Warren having a platform. But I I have been struggling with that terminology lately, and I wanted to talk to you guys about it. I, I thought you struggled with fat form. Yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I don't know why I laughed at that. I'm it just a, wasn't funny. I'm in a weird mood, and my jokes aren't good. Your beard is gone for all of our listeners. I, a lot I'm of people think I lost a, my power. A, a naked-looking dude. A lot of people think I'm not. I'm uh, like Samson. Right. You cut my beard, I'm weak. All right, so here's what I'm struggling with is there's something that is okay within church ministry circles for people to say, hey, God has really blessed me with this platform, or even what I would say is kind of worse is, hey, I'm hoping – that my platform becomes more significant so I can be more of a blessing to others. Platform, platform, platform. I just, because I'm a fellow human being and I know how deceitful my heart is, when I hear people say that most of the time, I'm hearing I just want more people to be watching me, listening. I mean... But is it the language is bothering you? Because wouldn't people say that's what you're building and what we're building? But to be clear, the platform we're trying to build, we do want it to be incredibly huge because if it's not huge and incredibly substantial, this platform cannot hold Joey, is the joke Toby right. was looking for earlier. <laughs> Joey needs one of the largest platforms ever built to withstand the weight of him. But now, here's one thing that's interesting, though. I don't understand why you're so sure about this, but it, I mean... What you're saying I'm, is, I'm about to get busted. Yeah, because last week you were talking about, oh yeah, money. I want uh, the more money, the more blessing I can be. The more yeah. money I get, if I, no. win, if I win the lottery, I can be a blessing. Oh, and, and Lord I, have mercy, I can how handle you take it. things out of context. I, I don't know if it's that out of context. I'm, I'm just saying you think you could handle a lot of money, but you couldn't handle a platform or something like that. You said you just said my sinful heart would just mean you talking about I want Ch- more people. Chain Claiborne. I'm talking about we we've talked about several times about the you know. Winning the lottery and you thought you could handle it and stuff like that. Matt, yeah, Matt's are thoughts are you're too sinful. You wouldn't be able to handle it, and or most people wouldn't. Not be you, able to. everybody. Yeah. And, and so and so, I mean, uh, the only thing is, I just don't know how you don't see that correlation there. I think it's the same thing. I think our sinful hearts, the bigger and more stuff we get, the worse we do with. So it. you, yeah, you agree with Joey then, but just also about money. Yeah, I think the platform thing is all about the person. Yeah, but what, yeah. what I'm saying is... I hope I, God uses me so I'm in front of people. Or, or I, But what's the difference in this platform and a preacher's platform then? You want to get more downloads, don't you? More down... Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, but I... I, I almost think that maybe... Oh, this is going to sound horrible. I think maybe we're a little more honest with the fact that <laughs> we... we 
we acknowledge the fact that this could be a horrible platform that we're misusing. Well, I don't know if this is a platform. This is a business, and we hope that we do well and succeed and get bigger and make money eventually and all kinds of stuff. And pastors, or maybe not even pastors, people that you're talking about, I think their intent is good, and I think a lot of them maybe even use their platform for the right, but it can come across a little... uh, uh, I don't know, obnoxious or... The use of the word uh, can be irritating, it, for sure. It, yeah, because what they're saying is, um, I, I know I feel special and I can be used, my specialness that God gave me, I can use it, and, and it just feels a little weird. And they can't say, so I can get famous or make more money or anything. If they say any of that stuff, then they would be laughed out. It'd be better if they said that. It'd be awesome yeah. if Rick Warren said, yeah, I love to, I kind of enjoy being famous. Yeah. I, I hope I can use it the right way. Well, see, that's, that gets into what cool. Toby says a lot, which I love, and I think it's on the right track. And the more I look at stuff, I think this is right. I think people need to just cop to the truth of, of, stuff, of saying like church itself and preaching and all that. It's just, I mean, to some degree, we have to face the fact that it's a show. It's it, it's just entertainment. It's just power. You know, it also is used for the gospel. But I mean, in a lot in a lot of ways, let's just admit we're trying to put on a show. And and when I call it a crowd, that's what you mean about your congregation. I mean, you're, you're just doing a production and a business and all that stuff, and this, you're putting on a show. And, I, and maybe if we could at least admit that, that's a start because nobody if can somebody admit it, it's too uncomfortable. No, I know that's what I'm yeah. saying. But if you're an MLB uh, writer and you write about sports, you want to increase your platform and nobody gives a shit. Of course you do. Or don't right. you? So there's nothing wrong with platform or somebody seeking to have a giant platform so they could have a good house and, and be more uh, prominent. If, if you were trying to write, uh, be a baseball writer, then everybody would say, yeah, good luck with your platform, buddy. But yeah. it, it rubs you the wrong way because it feels manipulative because it's like, and you should help me and you should support me. And th- I'm actually, I'm telling you that I'm the one that knows that I'm the one that's supposed to be here and I need you to put me there. Yeah, that's the weird part about it. So let me take this a step further. This is something I've really been struggling with, been talking to Toby about a little bit. And so let's say Matt starts a big church and uh, or Matt starts a church. It gets really big. The reason why it gets big is just because Matt is very eloquent. He doesn't step. He doesn't Mm -hmm. ruffle anybody's feathers. He doesn't step on anybody's toes. He just preaches the word. People feel good when they leave. The music is great and all that stuff. Well, next thing you know. Uh, Matt has planted a bunch of churches. There's a bunch of nice buildings. There's a bunch of people on staff. And man, he's he's got, uh, you know, whether people like it or not, sure, it's a ministry, but it's also a corporation that he's running with right. HR and people that are, you know, figuring out bills and all that sort of stuff. So all Similar of a sudden, to where you and I work. All right. So yeah. So all of a sudden, Matt gets in his heart, man, I've got to really put people in their daggone place. Like I've got to get up there and blast people because man... They're, I don't have it figured out, but neither do they. And we just seem to be, you know, playing around and not doing anything. And we're consuming and we don't see the gospel in the right light. And just Matt just has this conviction, man, I got to, I got to do something. Well, guess what Matt can't do? He can't say exactly what he wants to say because then you're risking the fact that other people may stop coming those people that stop coming are going to stop giving. Next thing you know, you're going to have to start getting rid of some of your buildings, maybe even lay some people off. So it's like all of a sudden the gospel message and maybe even the Holy Spirit is contingent on what you can and can't do because of what you need to support. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a, that that's a cl- drives me. I, I just... That's a clear I, I, inherent flaw in the system that we t- gravitate towards as American Christianity. I mean that's that's clear. That's true and and I think um, I guess a lot of us kind of recognize that. So it is what it is. There's that's what that system can't do 
is be free to do whatever they feel like or are led to because there's certain stuff you just can't do. You can't certain stuff you just can't say. It, it's just, I, 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 I mean, I'm not. I, here, <laughs> I want to tread carefully with what I'm saying, but I don't. I feel frustrated as well. Um, and we, we say this all the time. So I wonder, and Joey and I were, were a little bit having this conversation. Are we at a point, Matt, and, and you can chime in on this as well. I will tell well, you if we're at a point that. Are we at a point where me, you, and Joey, and there are people like us, but are we just ahead of where the church <laughs> might be heading? Like, I, I'm, I, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm not saying we're, we're bright or innovators we're or freaking creative. pioneers, not, I'm not saying we're pioneers at all. Maybe we're stupid. Maybe that's probably more likely. But what I'm saying is, are, it, it, everybody else just hears us complaining, right? We, we think we're trying to change or do something, but they, they can't even understand what we're saying because we're not even saying it in a way that can transition anybody to where we're at, right? Yeah. I mean, is that, is that, and so I really don't know, like, do people really even care? I mean, aren't people like, for the most part, the reason why church is like it is and like what you guys said it is, is because that's what people want. They want a, a, a pastor up there that they care about that is just preaching some form of the gospel, even if it's pretty watered down. Like what we're doing is is just throwing in some profanity. Yeah, and that's all. That's all they can hear. And and Listen. maybe once in a while we talk about God or or uh, some social issue. But I mean, maybe they can't even understand what we're saying. And so I'm just like, maybe I'm just spinning my wheels and being stupid. Maybe there isn't a reason for a change because it's not going to. This is just what it is, and this is where we are. And we're and, in- and and God is working in it. I mean, we've oh, yeah. all seen that God sure. has his hand like, in Maybe it. we're being stupid. Like it, it, I think I'd say most churches are doing a hell of a lot more than we are. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? To help the world and to change people's lives. They're doing, that's what I'm saying. I don't want anybody to misconstrue that we're talking uh, shit about churches and thinking that they're just terrible and, and we got it right and they got it wrong. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm literally trying to figure out maybe us three have it really wrong and we should just so, clean it up. So, so God, may be, could, God may be trying to tell us just... Just shut up and be a mega pastor. Yeah, well, I gotta a, be. A, no, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I think he is. <laughs> but let, let me go bright side on that. And first of all, I'll say at church this Sunday, we had uh, I was there, and I thought I was thinking the normal way, like, uh, is this dumb? What are we doing? What am I doing? And then I'm listening to the pr- I'm listening <laughs> That's to the preaching. Your normal normal way at church. Right. Right. So. <laughs> Right, exactly. Is this right? What am I doing? Why am I here? <laughs> but, okay, I'll get back to my point. But for sure, you know, and I know I'll confirm strongly that what you're saying here, is that just wrestling with it and being in that tension of it, is what people are identifying with when they listen to this podcast. It's not Joey's daggum opinion or, or my, what I think I'm saying is poignant. That's not really what's going on here. They're just, I think people are identifying with this just because they feel like we do in the, in the confused back and forth way. So that's good, and if that's all we're doing, we're letting other people have a voice and feel not alone in that confusion that they do have. But yeah. I'm saying I'm sitting there in church like that, listening to the sermon, think, yeah, this is just this and that, whatever. And when somebody's preaching and they stick to the scripture and don't try to make it about application or prove a point or back up what their ministry's about and all that stuff, and I actually like zone out, zone out, and then all of a sudden I perk up and go, wait a minute, he's telling something that's awesome, that's true, and I'm being reminded of Jesus and the gospel and with no real agenda on it or none that I'm picking up on, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I do like this. Whenever whenever that shines through and that's what's going on, I'm so glad. So that, yeah. that I don't know. I know that's good, but almost everything else that can surround it is maybe not. So I, I am, yeah. I'm, I'm on the bright side of it that it's, it's useful and it's real and 
and I think what we're doing is just fine because it's just yeah. letting other people identify with. So li- listen to uh, I, you know, rub shoulders with um, a lot of different pastors. Sometimes my belly accidentally hits them, but usually it's just shoulders. And I heard uh, the conversation went like this. And here's the thing: is I've said this before, so it's not me pointing the finger, but I heard it through a, a different way and I was like what in the world just happened one pastor said to another hey uh, we had some folks from our church that visited your church oh yeah awesome that's cool yeah they really enjoyed it and I was like that's they enjoyed it like what what does that mean so they step foot in the door and they're like man this is good this makes this is great I enjoyed it yeah Yeah, I seriously really let that sink in I was like what what does that mean like what? What if they heard some really hard truths? Would that mean they still enjoyed it, or they didn't enjoy it? That is that the sign of a successful church? Is you you were there on a Sunday morning and you enjoyed it? Well, they probably hated it. It was just being nice. Yeah, <laughs> they probably really just thought it was just so. Bo- I mean, there's nothing else you can say. I mean, if they say that, that means they're pretty neutral or disliked it. Well, I mean, that's yeah. what I think. Yeah, I think it. it's just being nice, which whatever. But I, I tell you what, though, the church is is totally crazy and uncomfortable and a bunch of weird stuff. But I tell you what else is is the dang music and communications and podcast and journalism world. I think it's just ridiculous. I came in here like I just did two interviews today for with music people about stuff. And yeah. they're so bad that I'm so re-thrilled on podcasting. And, and not only that, I actually think we're pretty good at it compared to these other people I've been talking <laughs> to. <laughs> and so I'm just kind of like re-energized on doing podcasts and how good podcasting is. I did one interview today, and to be fair, it was international. So you could give them a little bit of a credit as far as the language barrier thing, but the language barrier wasn't the problem. And uh, he just, he talked a bunch, but wasn't helpful at all. And he kept saying like, Stuff just that kind of put put me down, and that was like his interview style, and I didn't understand it. <laughs> like what? Well, Give an example. Well, like the first thing he's like, he, first thing he's like, he says like, yeah, I was checking in your Wikipedia, and it was just, it's pretty unclear there. But I guess you guys have been on hiatus for a while and stuff like that. So you know, <laughs> what's the deal with that? And I was like, what? Well, we haven't been on hi- I felt like I was having to explain and and be defensive just from the get go. It's like, no, we haven't been on hiatus. I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't know what you know or don't know, but you, I guess I can explain what we're doing and how how it goes. You never know if they're familiar with you or not. And he's like, right. "Yeah," and I mean, you know, you have the you you know Christian, and you're not maybe not that fundamentalist, but the stigma. I mean, you know, it's like <laughs> so he brings he brings that up, and then he uh, he asks he then he starts then he asks about our crowdfunding. He goes, "I mean, you know, a lot of people don't really, you know, crowdfunding is kind of you know what I'm saying, crowdfunding." You know, so that he does that, and then he, that's how he said it. Not exactly, but that's how I'm receiving his. Everybody's going to try to figure out who who this interview was so they can read it's it. It's not and in you're, English, you're so don't worry press. about it. Um, and then then it's like, and I see you guys are doing all the VIP thing, so you know, charging your fans like other bands don't do that. Are so how does it, yeah, I promise. <laughs> now that's not the way he phrased the questions, but these are the things he brought up. And so do you talk- think he set out to give you guys a bad name? No, I don't. He was just, it was just no. He was actually really trying, but that's just how he would, he would paint. He would kind of back. I felt bad for him because he would back himself into the corner with these statements, like he was trying to set up for a question, but he. 
you know, he it, it was like I had to be defensive, and he didn't really get into it with a good question. And he's like, "Yeah, can like you give other- us, can you give a, a ethnic reference point? So no, we, we don't need to look it up. It no, of course not. So, he, so then he's like, he he says the Christian thing. You know, I'm not Christian, but you know, I'm I'm. I have a lot of Christian bands that I really like a lot. And uh, so he, he doesn't seem to know that much about us. And then he names, he goes, my favorite bands are The Chariot, uh, Under Oath, uh, Haste the Day. And he named just basically every <laughs> band like us and then acts like he's not familiar with us. It's just kind of a dick yeah. move like you. Some people do that too. They just want to keep you or whatever. And, you know, it just wasn't that, wasn't that good language or not. And then I just got off of a radio interview just now, which I was kind of excited about. And I forgot how silly radio is as far as yeah. the, the format of it and the way they talk it's like they're wild people oh it's like hey how's it going you know like that whole thing with squeaky and butt flap and whoever you know <laughs> trying to thing and so the, the weirdest thing about that is they treat you they treat me like i'm a like a, a potted plant sitting in the room like it's so it's so interesting to think about podcasting in relation because they're not listening to you at all like yeah. that's one of the challenges of doing this long form stuff is you know being present and we talk about that like to focus and listen to the person and go back and forth requires something and this radio stuff is so fast and so silly that they they and I guess they just have big egos but they can't listen at all so they're just like <laughs> they're like so tell me what what have you been doing and I said well I was just sending out packages from our you know for our crowdfunding and this and that. <laughs> Well, tell us about the new album, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And then they talk to you just for a few minutes, and then um, right in the middle of talking to you, and we're talking with Matt from Emory. Like, they had to reset, like, just because who knows who tuned in or who didn't. Like, they don't know who what they're listening to, so they have to interrupt you to just to say who you are, even though you're trying to talk to them. I don't know what it is, but that, it makes me so thankful for the the podcasting format. I guess, I don't know. I love this show, and doing this kind of stuff is way, way better. Radio is... I mean, how many people listen to the radio nowadays? I mean, back back when we were growing up, you you either listened to tapes or the radio. I mean, it's it's not that. No, yeah, it's almost gone. Anymore. It's almost gone. Yeah. But I don't know. Podcasting is great, and I get so many people now. Like I'm, I probably multiple times a week do a phone call with somebody who's getting into podcast. Somebody I know or like, or and you know somebody that's cool that I'm trying to help, and they're asking me about podcasting. I get to explain it and tell what what's good about it and what what doesn't work about it and all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I love that everybody's doing it, and I think as it ties into that church thing, that there's just some things that are outdated. So I'm not saying we're pioneers of the total future, but there's just some things that are outdated. They're just some forms of media, some forms of worship and gathering. They're just kind of outdated, and I think that's not bad. That's just kind well, of the plain I, truth. I was thinking about that today is that, I mean, all, all we haven't changed any form. All we've done is change the presentation. That's it. You know what I mean? Like music went from hymns and everybody singing with a book in their hand to now you look at a screen and there's a band on stage. If you went to 10 churches in a 10-mile radius, don't you think that most of them would be pretty much the same? I mean, there might be a little difference here and there, but I mean, overall, a majority of it would be the same. And so that's why I'm like, what are we doing? Is this really working? Is this how, because I mean, it is, we do have people coming to church, but I believe they're just coming from another church for some reason they didn't like that one as much or lost interest and they're going to go to this new one. And which is your church, and then they'll lose interest at some point. In your or their kids will, and they'll leave, and then you know it'll just be like that. So I just don't know. I, I, first of all, we haven't seen any real. Uh, I haven't seen anything where a, a unbelievable s- sustaining of a mega church. But I mean, our, look, our church is a mega church. This lasted how many years? Started in eighty eight. So. Yeah. 
I mean, it's a very soon to be 30 well, years. That's a really I, long what time I say for a church. About those, what I say about that is, and not to be negative, but we haven't seen multi, uh, we haven't seen the big mega churches much. We don't have almost any data on transitioning from the charismatic founder to the next generation of right. leader. Yeah. Now, there, I'm not saying there's no instance of that, but there's very little. And so that's really what... W- what we'll you'll see just wait a whole so other generation it on it's basically like green bay packers you have brett Favre. uh-oh aaron Rodgers. if we can get an aaron Rodgers, right. a mega church and get an aaron if every Rogers, if every charismatic leader can get their aaron Rodgers to the brett Favre, they'll be they'll be fine but yeah we're gonna get a whole whole bunch of jamarcus russells up there i'm afraid yeah. <laughs> or at the very at the very least at the very least is steve young taking yeah. over montana oh right. yeah for it's, sure. it's not, it's not gonna be steve right. young montana it's just, yeah hey, i want to know what's going I, on I, in toby's heart uh, well uh, oh, i've been talking about it i want to i want to say two things that i noticed today today to die to die to die i to die um one thing was i went for a jog walk tonight yeah and i listened to our last week's podcast with shane claiborne okay right? this this, pe- pre- this week's podcast i should say and uh, i guess this will be last week's um and it was hilarious. The whole first half of the podcast, before Shane came on, your lips were covered in oil, and you were so happy eating that chicken. <laughs> you were eating fried. It was unbelievable. Like I could tell you in your hear voice, the and, like, joy seriously? in the audio file. Yeah, like like seriously, like you actually had actually had real joy. And I know we're not going to go into depression right now and all this big stuff, but everybody, I'll, most of our listeners know Joey suffers from depression. I believe fried chicken cures it. Food is a trigger for joy. Oh, There's triggers Lord. for depression. I promise you, <laughs> ne- next time you get sad, j- can't you at least just try this? Next time you get really sad, go, shit, I'm going to eat a bucket of fried chicken. Toby, and just see, can you just so try that? full of it right now. Why would, just, you Toby, are the happy I, one. I have, you, I have audio proof. <laughs> that it were, and Matt actually said, Joey, you sound so happy. Yeah. Do you know how many Matt other times said that. I'm going Dude. to argue this? Do you know how many other times Matt has said, "Joey, you're very happy." Had nothing to do with food. Okay, you're the one with sure. chicken stuff. Sure, all we're over not talking you. about the other times. We're talking about you and this one time. You're trying to make me the fat guy. I'm I, not no, the fat I'm guy. saying I, I wouldn't say you would eat He's fried chicken every to day. Cure your I'm saying if you're in a bad place, Keep just say depressed. screw it. I, I, I mean, it, it, if, if I'm not a huge fried okay. chicken fan, so you sure <laughs> were last last week. I was hungry. Okay, well try something that's that's really fatty, kind of bad for you, and just just eat it. Yeah, but see, if you I'm, can you can go work out and run later. If run I'm before, super, run listen, after. listen. Here's what you don't understand about depression. If I'm super depressed and I eat a bunch of pizza, it's just you make told me, me more that depressed. day you you'd been struggling. Joey, with depression. let, let me go at Toby for, for this. Days. You don't have to defend yourself, Toby. That honestly not, is absolutely terrible advice. And everybody knows depressed people try to eat themselves out of depression and that's one of the biggest things they go rounds it feel is worse not only okay. feel i mean that's Maybe like one of the biggest things like people eat to feel the depression and then that's that's like but a whole I'm cycle well documented cycle in, in itself and it probably does the fact that people try to do that probably does however come from the fact that sometimes it works i will give toby that that's I'm why saying, that's why people it, eat themselves you know you get depressed and you a eat a spot, pint of ice cream all I'm saying is I literally was like, I cannot believe, like Joey's just munching. You could hear you. I, I heard you eating <laughs> like the whole time. You're, you're like, no, Matt, Matt, man. Um, seriously, it was, it was enjoyable. That, I enjoyed it, but don't listen I mean, to Toby, all our depressed he, listeners he was eating out chicken. there, please. He, he went through his stories really quick. He was so happy. Was I mean, there, there, there was a joy that you didn't have earlier in the day. Is all I'm saying. You didn't even have it earlier in the early. We recorded a bunch of podcasts. We got that one, and then you lit up. I do After like that, it when he's happy. Up. Myself. 
Okay, two, uh, on my uh, run walk tonight is dark, and I really for sure. Of the dark. I, and I'm not afraid of the dark, but I for sure realized there was this big, weird thing that looked like a giant spider, and I was like, if that r- comes at me, I will know it's a joke, and I will scream and run, like, no matter what. So I realized tonight that every time I've made fun of people, like, being scared, like, a, a real dinosaur comes down the hall, or somebody jumps out of a trash can, whatever, I was like, ah, those people are so stupid. I am one of them. I would be petrified. I would scream. I would yell. You're afraid I would of the shout. dark. I'd do all that stuff. No, it's not just the dark. I'm just saying, if somebody scared me, I would jump, and I'd be crazy. I think, no matter what, I, I can't say... I would. I'd be brave. Right. I would yell. And let run. me let me drop a mini science on this one because this one is interesting to me. As far as it goes in your brain, you yeah. know how you have different regions in your brain, right? So yes. your prefrontal cortex is the part that you were thinking with right there. So it has your executive function and stuff like that. Your outer brain. Um, that's what you think with, with what you think of as your consciousness. Now, it's very highly developed and very slow moving because it takes all, a lot of processing power and it's very detailed, right? So it runs Tight. slow, slower Tight. than other parts of your brain. So deep down inside your brain, you have an amygdala and the amygdala controls the fear center and some of the more, I think they call that your reptile brain. So it's this similar kind of what to a crocodile or whatever. It has all the same functions that a crocodile would have, like move, jump, get that food, react to this kind of thing in a basic way and it is very very simple and requires little energy and works very very fast uh, more than twice as fast as your prefrontal so should something come out and jump at you you were correctly assessing the fact that your amygdala would act and send all these signals to, to produce adrenaline make you run make you jump do whatever it had to do to get you out of the way even before before you could say is that a spider is it not is that some is that a gag somebody's playing is that just a, a dog <laughs> so so your body actually moved it takes you know half the time for that system to kick in so that's why when you jump like a lot of times when people scare you you say I knew you were there you did know they were there but your body continues to and was already reacting with the fear from what it got from your eyes and your sensory stuff and then already jumps in there and do that so you're right about that you would have been unable to control your reaction to the scary thing yeah i don't like being startled i i have a fear of being startled so that definitely rings true for me well i just think any prank that somebody pulled on me they they would get away with it like yep. it would it, it, i would look stupid on on youtube for sure I, I don't don't ever do that to me all right well let's bring on that old guest i think this week we got a real good one david crowder hey two uh back-to-back southern draws that are deeper than ours man so yeah. that's cool shane shane claiborne to david crowder david crowder i would say is probably the biggest name in the worship scene in yeah. the world, in the world. Yeah. The biggest name in the world yeah, yeah david crowder. i mean yeah, yeah in david fact Crow- like you, you can refer to him now as dave like you used to be able to do that with uh what's the dave uh matthews band you could just say oh that's dave i'm gonna go see dave now you can say that about david crowder right. you say dave right and everybody knows what you're talking about i'm yep. gonna say that i really do like the song david crowder sings oh no never let it's go. it's good that you don't know the name of it and never let go dummy i just I that's just, that is the name of it yeah never okay. let go so all david right be right back david crowder Joey, let's tell them about naturebox.com. Why don't you go for it? Guys, you know, if you're listening, you know you snack. Some you of you know snack you got a snack. Right. Some of you are like me and you snack way too much. I only snack. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, man. If you're going to snack, why don't you snack in a way where you just don't feel so daggum guilty afterwards? Snack on some healthy stuff. And I th- doesn't it sound like a dream come true if you can choose from a hundred different healthy snacks? 
go onto your computer, order it, and get it sent to your daggum door? I'm talking exactly about naturebox.com. Matt, let's hear a little bit more about it. Let's hear the science behind the nutrients. I'm not going to give you any of that because I don't <laughs> – but I'm going to tell you my favorite Naturebox snack, and that's the sriracha roasted cashews. They're spicy. They're a little sweet, and they're cashews if you like them anyway. But I love, love spicy snacks. And I, if you want to talk science, I love protein. Pro, if you can have a snack and it be protein, you're – in, you're jamming. That's exactly the way to go. And nuts have a lot of protein in them. Well, here's the thing. I'm trying to lose weight as well. And these are such a godsend because God sent them. Oh, God Lord. sends them through the mail, I, I would say. Uh, because they have zero artificial flavors or colors or sweeteners, zero grams of trans fats. And you know how bad trans are. Yeah. Those trans fats are just terrible. <laughs> and no high fructose corn syrup. My wife talks about that all the time. She walks down the aisle and looks. And you know how much, I, I mean, seriously, I. People argue about high fructose corn syrup. Oh, it's not bad. It's not. It is. I thoroughly believe that. And it's in so many things. Yeah. Most snacks that you have, it's there. It's really silly that they just added everything. So NatureBox gives you fresh ingredients, and it's always, always good and healthy for you. So, you know, I, my thing is you got to at least try it once. I mean, you know, a lot of the ads that we do, I mean, sometimes it may sound like we're saying, hey, you know, you, you need to do this and support us. It, it may come across that way. We don't mean it to. But this is one of those things to where it's just like we're offering you something that's just unbelievable. I mean, why, why would you not do this? So if you want to go to naturebox.com forward slash bad Christian, you can pick some snacks, get them to your front door. It's a free trial too, right? Yeah, it's totally free. Yeah, Joey's right. It's not for us. It's for you. This is for you to do. You'd be crazy not to do it. They taste amazing. It's naturebox.com forward slash bad Christian. And all I got to say is white truffle popcorn. Oh, my gosh. Man, zero buyer's good. remorse, zero eater's remorse. Naturebox.com. Get it now. Forward slash bad Christian. You've got to be, you've got to be on the top. The top two guests to have a um, deeper southern draw than we do. Yeah, I know. The other one's Master Nate. Remember Master Nate? Oh, man, from I Louisiana. Mean, and so, so, Dave, you grew up in Texas, right? Yeah, Texas. Uh, well, yeah, barely. I, I, Texarkana, you know, that's like on the uh, northeastern tip of the thing. So barely made yeah. it in the fine republic. Yeah, the draw's thick. That East Texas thing is thick. goes deep. Don't mess with Texas, man. I mean, just don't mess. Don't mess. Well, let's see if we can connect some dots here and see what our uh, affiliation is. I know we've been in the same place a few times here and there at festivals. Okay. If you don't know, Toby and I play in the band Emory, so we're at a lot of the same, at least, festivals yeah. that you've been at. And let's see, Toby, do you remember when it was that we saw Crowder last? From It was on a main stage somewhere. Last time I saw him was years ago at Creation East. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, that but anyway, sense. you wouldn't remember because like you do a lot of those festivals, huh? How many of those do you do a year? Oh, man, I don't know. They, they're they fun. I like those things. Do you, you really? Because uh, I do. I really do because, uh, you know, everybody, it's not like a, a ticket sale that you've got people coming with the expectation, you know, that's very large to see you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that one, you've got to kind of win them over. You know, it's like a... There's a different kind of challenge and way to go yeah. about it, you know. Yeah, that's true. From set list creation to to your presence and what you got to, you know, speak into the thing in between songs. You know, you, gotta, you just got to make people feel comfortable 
with you up there in front of them making the tunes happen. So you like that challenge better, but what what is the way the the type of gig you play where you're the most comfortable like where it's the easiest and the crowd's the best what is that setting for you oh that's at the house by myself that's great you. it's a great <laughs> audience <laughs> always pleased uh no i like i like small clubs you know when it's uh outside of, of the uh you know church walls and it, mm-hmm. I, I like to play to the to the manager of the club and the the guy that brought your stuff in the door those are the people i like in the room while the rest of it's going down and and by like by by like the tops of a thousand you know like if you get a little tiny room and cram everybody you can fit in there that's like my favorite that's my favorite room right well what is that what you're doing right now is clubs and stuff oh no no we're right in the middle of a uh an arena tour with about 20 bands i think it is goodness (laughs) or maybe maybe eight but yeah yeah, and it's it's kind of like the festival deal, you know. You're in the middle of all this other stuff, and and um, and you gotta you gotta have. We got like 30 minutes we play, so you gotta get yourself in there and out of there, and somehow deposit something special. Actually, I I like that. That's kind of like like warp tour with us. I, I I've always kind of yeah. enjoyed that. Now, how late does that thing go? Do you have to play last, or do you get to play a little earlier, or what? Because I always like playing in the afternoons. We're like at about 8:30 in the p.m. That's not bad. No, and so and, and as I said, we played thirty minutes, so it's like you know, done by yeah. now. Well, see, when you only play thirty minutes, you can give every song your all, and when it when if you play at eight thirty, you're done by nine. Man, that's awesome because I'm like an older guy. I love not playing at like eleven p.m., but we end up doing that a ton of times. But because uh, you know we're our, we're pretty much always yeah at a bar or something like that, and they're trying to sell drinks and and stuff like that, and so they always push it back, push it back a little bit. You know, uh, ten? Could y'all go on at ten thirty? Yeah, the later in the evening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I I love I love that. But uh, how long is this tour right now? Uh, it goes. Uh, gosh, what month is this? March, uh, end of this month. And then we start our own back uh, in in April, and that's kind of a mixture between churches and clubs. Well, let's let's talk about the the difference in churches and clubs and the culture because people I don't know if people totally understand it. And there's very few people who experience a lot of both, and I know you do. And we experience more yeah. secular stuff than Christian. But yeah, uh, w- what's the difference? How does it feel differently to you in the, in those two environments? Talking about the humor change, it feels very significant, the change that happened in my experience of playing in churches. When we first started back in the year 2000, it felt like like the church was kind of like underwriting the ability for a musician to explore popular music. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like a reclamation of art in a sense, in a a popular way. You know, uh, uh, there was such, I guess, there was such distance previously in church history regarding, you know, music that anything with drums or, you know, anything that sounded current was was kept at arm's length and then suddenly something let go and and now that's, that's, you know, everybody was wanting something new that sounded current in their space for their community and so it felt like here you are a band just starting out and, and uh, you know written a few songs that have kind of circulated and they want you to come do such and such and you, you wind up there playing through this you know huge system it's great great speakers great board uh great monitoring situation whereas if you were just starting out on the club scene, you know, you'd be playing for beer through a, you know, a, a crappy PA with a one mic on the drum, you know, and 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 
And here, it felt like the church was doing something significantly different than than culture in a in a good way. And I don't think it was very intentional. It was it was just like a uh, a necessary a need that they wanted. You know, they wanted to they wanted to hear and be moved by stuff that 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 reflected their experience outside of the church. Well, now fast forward, uh, we did a record probably in a, a oh gosh 2008 and. It was called Remedy, and what we did then is we—it was all just clubs. We just played clubs because it, you know, it was part of the thematic part of the record. Is like get, get this thing, the the rescue of God, get that story outside. Let's not be so insular, um, and and keep telling the same thing to each other over and over. Let's let's uh, let's, let's take this the story rescue outside. So so it was all clubs trying to get church people that were attached to our music outside of their church into a space that they might have had some sort of uh, I don't know hesitation to be a part of and 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 let them know man God's presence is active uh, and and it, you know he's not contained by <laughs> by the material so he's present and active in lots of spaces we and, and and things that we don't maybe suspect him and I thought this would be great they'll experience that and then the next record that we put out was called church music and I thought well let's do the inverse let's instead of because we were most comfortable in the club situation uh, and I, I thought, well, let's flip it on both us and for the people that are following us. Let's, let's now we'll just do all churches. And so after having been in the clubs and having had some experience with churches, uh, man, the scene was totally different. Now, now our venue costs. Uh, you know, you're talking about a house of blues. You know, they're going to charge you such and such amount of money just to be in the room that night. Well, now the church, <laughs> the churches were more expensive to be in than. Than the, the clubs were, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, whoa, what what happened, man? Where was that? Where was that value and understanding that that you're bringing something uh, of popular art into your community? Now, you got you know some folks sitting around going, man, we put all this money in this deal. Uh, these guys are selling tickets, and we should be getting as much from it as we can. I mean, and it felt like less of an investment in. And we turned our churches into into venues to to generate funds, uh, which you know there's a, there's an argument to make for that. But for me, it it, it was kind of sad. That's interesting. Know? That's like totally kind of a different uh, point of view than than the one that I typically have. Let me see if I'm understanding you correctly. Are you saying that you under you liked it and were a fan of the fact that the church did subsidize art coming up by itself, as opposed to having to have them, you know, basically? Right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the church used to be uh, investing in, in a lot of the high arts, you know, um, a, a lot of the great classical music that uh -huh. we love is because it was funded um, by the church, and and here it was, it, it, we weren't doing anything that significant, I don't think, you're just basically playing pop songs, uh, it, it, and yet it, uh -huh. was, it was underwritten, and the ability to, to do that was, uh, was really because the, the church was paying more than a club was and, and that that sounds good the way you say it but i have to tell you our experience coming up in that world was a little bit different we to took me. it the different way which is kind of interesting because the way you say it sounds good we uh we started playing in churches first because of that very reason because we could go there because we could get a good green room because they would have chinese food and two hotel or three hotel rooms <laughs> for our band of six people and uh and we didn't have any fans. We were just doing some weird kind of music where the, the youth pastors thought, hey, if I bring this wild 
loud music in. It'll be a safe place for the parents to drop off their kids, and they can pretend mosh to it for youth group on Thursday night. And so we were—that's the gigs we were playing. And so we couldn't—we couldn't stand it. Like we—we we, we, we thought, wait a minute, no, we don't even have any fans. This isn't even real. I mean, we're, we don't. These people don't even know who we are, and they're pretending like we're good. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And we weren't even that good at the time. Yeah, to tell you the that, truth. And so we thought, man, yeah, we no, can't. We, this I mean, isn't real. Yeah, we we, can't did, we do didn't this. deserve it. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't. We didn't deserve. We didn't deserve the goodness of it. And I mean, it was like. I mean, they were just treating us like kings. They were treating us like kings, and it was crazy. But watch this, though. What are you doing now? Well, we what we did was yeah. we dropped we dropped Play, off playing and, clubs and bars yeah. and. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. What 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 it did though? You got you got your legs under you, and now now you're outside the walls and you're doing something fantastic. And you, you yeah, you're you right. Got, it might have been what kind of propelled us to find out what we should be. But we literally stopped in the middle of a tour and said, "No more. <laughs> we're out, we're out of this world." Because I, I, you know, and the way I, I don't like it, Chinese food in green rooms. <laughs> I don't like my foot rubbed. <laughs> well, I could see that, but the only only thing I see is though so many bands we play with that stayed in that Christian circuit. I felt like if they didn't get bigger, kind of, kind of like you did, you kind of transcended that a little bit to where you and you you said like you said you started in clubs and then decided, hey, we can play more churches and stuff as as your career progressed. But like we saw tons of people who started in churches and it was so good, but then they could never go anywhere. They never got out of the youth group. So then they were. You know, as they got older and the kids got older, they were less, you know. You all somehow got out of it, and, and you're saying there's some negatives. I, I somehow feel privileged and, and, and uh, afforded the ability to develop my craft and then be able to decide where you want to take the music. Um, I wouldn't have had that, I don't think. Uh, if, if I'd have been doing clubs, uh, man, I'd have just had fun in college. And then wave bye to the thing because it wouldn't go pay any bills, and I'd be selling insurance in Texas, Texas. <laughs> yeah, I've never thought of it from so that point of view. I think that's experience. I think that's actually pretty valid. Um, as far as I, I, I tend to say, oh, we rejected it, and so good for us. But really, what I need to be saying is we benefited from it, even even still. So I do understand that very much. But like the thing I thought always think is weird about it, I feel like the bands should be valuable like in a free market capitalistic way like you should have to be good or the best you should ha- that pressure is good and i don't like it when mm, when yeah. christians when christian organizations just subsidize people's hobbies so oh it's your hobby well, I, so I like drawing fun. so i'm going to take up an offering so i can continue to draw <laughs> instead of go sell insurance so <laughs> well, nancy, what, pelosi, what? nancy pelosi was trying to do the same thing you know remember that deal she, you know she's like trying hey man we need the artists to be able to stay at the house and you know make great art i think there's that drive in us but here's what i think that, that maybe you're feeling and, and i agree with I don't think church has great taste in aesthetic that would would uh, uh, be valuable if you don't have the same thematic content. You know, if you're not putting uh, Jesus into the middle of it, uh, would it hold up outside of uh, the church thing? And so I, I agree. I don't, I, but I think that has to do more with the, the the taste of the church and and their understanding of beauty and aesthetics and we just haven't been good at that and maybe it's great that they start charging bands you know for their venue costs you know and maybe that makes the i guess the cream rise so that's right i don't know you know we've talked uh toby's been pretty vocal about this we've had conversations where 
you know, there's a lot of people in the Christian market and they've met people, you know, on the road where it's like, you know, hey, this is just a ministry. I mean, I'm writing these songs for God. Uh, You know, this is for people to worship. Obviously, I'm serving these people. And Toby always comes back. And I mean, I, I totally agree with him, but I'm curious what you think. I mean, Toby's like, it's, it's a business. You're, you're making money off of songs. Now, for someone who has actually written a lot of worship music, how, how do you calibrate business and like serving the Lord with what you're doing? Well, I, I, you know, here's the, here's the funny thing with me is, is that, that's a word that we assign some sort of meaning to business. So if you want to talk to a church, you could talk to the church as, as, a, as a corporate entity and say, you know, you're a business, but churches don't like to say we're a business. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're a church, but it's a business. You know, it, it even looks like the, the leadership structure is just a dang model of any CEO. Uh, you got the pastor, CEO, Bill, you got your, your uh, FCO. You, it, it's just a mirror image of what happens in culture in the business world. Right. What you would want to do if you're talking to a church about how they could be better, like if you're a consultant coming in talking about how you can, you know, structure better leadership and get people more involved. You, you just change the words to like an enterprise or, or mm-hmm. a, a, you know, community. It's all it's all the same thing. You got to have funds coming in, uh, yeah. and you got to you got to keep your your stockholders happy because <laughs> because yeah. they own the thing. You know, um, congregation all, slash stockholders. Yeah. Totally, and and so it's it's that's where I think that's where I think uh, um, you know we're so critical, or the church is so critical of of what's what's uh, subversive and wrong and depraved about what's going on outside of themselves. When man, I think the sneakiest stuff is that you you actually you know, you know you get on the planet, you start breathing in and out the culture you know, American culture and, and the church looks just like everything else. And we don't even know it, you know, it's like the story of, uh, you know, you probably heard it before, but the, the story of the two little fishes swimming in the water and, 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 uh, it's like a older fish and a younger fish and, and the older fish, that's the younger fish, man, water sure is great today. And the younger fish looks at the older fish and says, what's water? And you don't, you don't even know. You don't even know the thing that you're living in mm-hmm. because you're just yeah. part of it. And and I think I think the brilliant folks are the ones that are able to recognize the law, recognize what it is that we breathe in and out, and point to the stuff that's that's not quite right in the water, and and and, and be a distiller of sorts, you know, distill the good stuff out of it and, and give the good stuff back. And and the church is really really terrible at it because they don't know that they're they're swimming in water. <laughs> they're just yeah. in it, and they don't even know. And, and that yes. has to be, I think that I think that's that's the way you talk about business. Is man, yeah, this is how we function. M- money is just a form of technology that we assign value to and exchange things for. And if there's a thing that's valuable, art is valuable. It's important and it's special. And so there's some sort of value that's attached to it. And to be able to communicate, this is valuable to me. That's just one of the ways we get to do it, and and uh, you, you can call it you can call it business, you can call it whatever. But I I, I can think of it as when I go get the taco, I'm attaching my enjoyment to an exchange moment where I say I really like this taco. I freaking like this 
weird meat that I don't know where it came from because <laughs> it's yeah. tasty. You know, and I, and, and I, I want to feel attached to the guy that, 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 that's back there, you know, behind all the equipment. And, and he just put my taco together. Man, this is freaking amazing. And what I just <laughs> gave, that, that, that 99 cents I just gave, because that fake meat that they squirted on the Jack in the Box taco, I, I, I'm yeah. somehow participating in this dude's life. And I think we don't, we have distance between exchange of value and and that makes that makes words like business make us uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, you made an awesome point as far as uh, churches not really ch- you know trusting out of the box stuff, and then you know seeing not even seeing that you know how closely they run to a business. And, and what made me think of is I just can't get away from the fact that there will be times when maybe I'm thinking of you know maybe we should do this at our church or you know talk to something you know to Toby or my you know leadership team or, or whatever. And then my next thought is, yeah, we can't do that. That will be just a little too big for people to swallow. And we need, we honestly need money for the rent. We obviously need money for the building. We need money to keep doing, you know, to keep paying. And I don't think that's how the church was supposed to be. You look at Jesus and he talked about people eating his body and and drinking his blood. Boom. What? Two thirds of the people are like, I'm out of here. You know, and here we are in a position to where we we can't do that. Not, I mean, at least at least the contemporary church culture, you know, we cannot do that. You know, we can't say anything and uh, not worry about yeah, churches Je- folding. Je- Jesus talked about drinking his blood and eating his body, and now you know the secular world has unbelievable number one movies have vampires in. Them. <laughs> so you tell me what's right. <laughs> <laughs> Number one movies in the world: drinking blood. Jesus is zombie vampire. The people He's left a Jesus too, like them. Walking Dead. Jesus was the original. Oh original. Yeah, Jesus walked. <laughs> Jesus died, and he's walking around. He's the original biter. <laughs> Hey, you know, we had a conversation. He, he's the, he had movie ideas 2,000 years ago that he prophesied movies and television number one shows. <laughs> hey, we actually talked about this before. Um, uh, David, Toby, and, and Matt uh, definitely op- opposed my support of you uh, for changing sloppy wet kiss to, I think, Unforeseen Kiss. And I think they made some pretty valid points as far as the original lyrics and how well, they just, were Well, just why'd intended. you do it? Uh, hey, listen. Listen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Love that answer. <laughs> this, is, this is the most serious part of the <laughs> This is the 60 minutes where David Crowder cries. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Freaking Barbara Walters on me. Uh, hey, the sloppy wet deal... Uh, uh, now here's what happened. Uh, I'm sitting on a plane flight, and and uh, I, I'm headed from Dallas to Denver. And a friend of mine from Atlanta, that you know, it's before I lived in Atlanta, but a friend of mine from Atlanta had given me the CD. It's called Orthodoxy, and uh, Eddie Kirkland was the name. And so I'm listening to it. Some good, really good songs on it. Uh, he was one of uh, uh, folks uh, leading music at North Point, and uh, and uh, he was. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. <laughs> This is oh I can't even say it man. Uh, he, he he used to be a Louis Giglio's like uh, personal assistant kind of guy. So uh, I I'd known him and had no idea he even sang or played music. And and then I've got a CD of his in in, in my hands and I, and I put it put it in and I'm kind of scared because I know him I love him 
And I'm like, man, I hope this doesn't suck. And it turned out to be awesome. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, man, there's some great songs. And I get to the song, How He Loves, and I'm on the plane flight, and I'm like weeping, man. I, I, I'm sitting with strangers, and it's, <laughs> it's you know, confined social situation. And I'm, I'm you know, crying like a little schoolgirl. And and uh, uh, we land, and I, I tell the rest of the dudes in the band, I'm like, man, holy cow, you're not going to believe the song that Eddie Kirkland's done. Well, it turns out that Eddie Kirkland didn't write it. I, I, you know, found out it's just John Martin Newman guy in North Carolina. And, and, and the rest of the dudes listen to it and they're like, God, I can't even stand that song. It's got that sloppy <laughs> thing. Weird, man. And I'm like, what do you mean sloppy? I didn't hear no sloppy wet bill. What are you talking about sloppy? It's like the bridge, man. It's got sloppy wet kiss in it, man. It makes me think of dogs and junior high girlfriends. It's like weird, man. And uh, so I go, I, I don't, I, I ain't feeling it, man. I, I, that's a freaking great song. We're going to play at church Sunday. I said, you know, for me, theologically, once I understood the song and had pushback and had to talk about those words, it, it's that the intentions of heaven are never they're, they're intentional. It's not it's not something haphazard. Uh, and and the divine's approach to us in a moment of tragedy, the last thing we want to tell each other as a community is that ah, it's just a little sloppy. He doesn't quite know what he's doing. You know, he's sorry. He's he's a uh, just not that experienced in this whole thing. Huh. <laughs> so That's interesting. on a theological level, I felt like. Probably not the best thing for us to sing to each other. That, to that, describe God that, as sloppy. Yeah. Now, David, did you uh, ever want to, did you think not go into Christian music at all when you were younger and, and just write music and not try to be labeled in this world? Or was it just the best the best option? No, I just felt, I, I, honestly, this, this was not, uh, I mean, I loved music growing up, you know, playing, but it was always just for fun. And, uh, I got to study music in college because I, I had, I, I wasn't kidding about the instruments, <laughs> selling the instruments. I mean, that was like sort of, my life, my life path was dictated as soon as I got on the planet. My, my dad had an insurance agency. I would work there in the afternoons after school and crap, and it was just like, man, I, I, I'm going to take over the family practice someday. And so with that nepotistic cookup, I get to go to school, study whatever I want. I thought music would be fun. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, but so I'm studying music. It's all like I passed an insurance exam I was in. And so about my junior year, I wasn't going to church. Uh, Baylor University, you know, the South Christian School. I'm not going to church. And, uh, you know, Baylor did the survey that, that showed over half their students never stepped foot in church their entire stay. And I'm part of that little deal. And a, uh, a friend of mine, we're on the balcony one night, and he starts talking about Jesus and his church. And he was doing this itinerant pastor deal outside of town, this little church uh, in Gatesville. And it's about 30 minutes outside of Waco. And and uh, he's he's telling funny stories. He, he's totally playing me. That's what he's doing. You know, he's, he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's a pretty intelligent young man. And, and so he's... he's playing me, knows I've got all this baggage. I grew up in church, and I, I've kind of just put it at arm's length. You know, it's college, and you got to think about all that stuff. <laughs> so I've got it at arm's length. And uh, he's telling me, you know, hey, man, uh, so yeah, I called like two in the morning another night, and, and you know, JoJo wants me to come out to his house. He said, Pastor, we need you. And so he said, I get in my car. I go out there. And, you know, JoJo, JoJo's like, 
Hey, hey, man, thank you for coming. Uh, he's like, well, what do I need? To, what's the deal? What's going on? What's going on? How can I help? He goes, well, our cow's sick, and we need to pray for it. <laughs> and so he's like, uh, all right. And he's like, no, no, we want you to, we want you to get in there and lay hands on the cow. <laughs> and so he says, you're telling me he's chasing his cow around his pen, trying to put his hand on it long enough to get a spit out of prayer. And I'm dying laughing. And then, and then he turns the corner. And he's like, man, that's the deal. It didn't have anything to do, you know, whether the cow lives or dies, it has nothing to do with the cow. It's that, it's that we're in it together. I'm running around the mud with you, you know, no matter how much stuff. And it's as simple as people that love each other trying to figure out how do you follow this person to do this together. And all that institution stuff, all that crap that you're carrying, that's irrelevant, man. Uh, and I, man, I, I just felt stuff turning and then about a month later he's like hey man I'm starting the church you're going to do the music I'm like hell I am absolutely not I'm like the worst person ever you're done if you're going to do that um, and uh, you know what's going on I'm up there and uh, so I, but he talks me into it and and about a year into that thing I started writing songs because uh, I couldn't find any songs that made sense to fit in the collegiate setting at the time um, you know, yeah. you, it just didn't have anything that sounded at all uh, like what was on college radio or that was interesting to our friends. And uh, so started writing, trying to, to trying to find, you know, navigate the way between music and the heart and, and church and saying something that was uh, authentic to our, the soil we were growing in. And, and, um, and then I'm calling home saying, hey, Dad, I think I'll be a while. So I didn't mean to do any of this. It was just sort of, it just sort of, life took me there. And and what was yeah. great is my background growing up gave me a really deep love because what happened then, I wound up back in in the Christian culture stream. The music we were making there wound up being right back in the middle of the thing that I was rejecting. And so then I found my both of my feet in two tributaries that were pretty spread apart, you know, this community of people that I loved and lived with that have rejected the thing that my, our, our, our enunciation was winding up back in. And, and I still had a love for the church because of my upbringing in Texarkana, Texas. It was a pretty schizophrenic, you know. Yeah. I think you're right earlier, too, when you were talking about the church having, uh, you know, kind of grown and changed. And I think one thing you said, too, I also think like those early days for us were tough because we felt like we were, we were doing something and maybe people didn't care enough. And I actually do really also enjoy playing those Christian festivals as well. I think they're really fun and neat. And you see a, sometimes a different, a different side of that as well. But do you guys ever, like when you do club tours and stuff like that, is it exclusively Christian bands or do you, or do you guys ever branch out and take other bands from other genres of music or whatever and, and, and do that stuff? Or do you listen to other music outside of the Christian world as well? Yeah, that that I don't listen to a lot of Christian music. I have no idea what's on Christian radio right now. I, I just don't. It doesn't. I understand it and appreciate that that it's necessary and useful for a lot of people, but it doesn't resonate with me. So most of what I listen to is not. Uh, it, it's not uh, intentionally faith oriented. You know, uh, it's yeah. just. It, it's just. I, I still think the you know fingerprint of God's on everything, and you find. You know, you can find him and his breath in most everything you're around. But 
uh, as far as when we're touring, when I'm trying to think about a night, I, I really want to try to get everybody breathing the same thing and saying something back to God. That's that's kind of my intent. So it helps to have people out that are trying to do that. I mean, but then you know, you know, we, we took Mute Math out, and they're just playing great music. I thought that was a good setup on on, on that particular tour. Uh, it's, you know, it just depends on what we're trying to do in an evening, I guess. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point of view. Like, what's what's interesting is just the nuanced, uh, you know, grip you get when you really hear somebody from another stream talk or or, or whatever. Like. It gets boiled down to Christian music versus this, or clubs versus this, or contemporary this, or whatever. But really, when you hear somebody else in their train of thinking, that you realize there's all those other nuances and what the reason behind they're doing it is and stuff like that. So I, I, uh, I like all your answers. They're answers that I couldn't have made up for you. I, I put it that way. So I make I have a gr- much deeper understanding of of probably the whole Christian contemporary world. I've never had anybody lay it out for me in the same way that yeah. that you have. So I think I find that interesting. Although I often find myself in a in some kind of language or argument where I feel like I'm being an opponent of Christian music, which is odd because that's not really what I think. But uh, yeah, thank you for having some really good points on the on the opposite side of where I'm normally at. Well, David, when you're at home, do you do you attend just a what, what kind of church do you attend? What's your uh, local body look like? For me, it's about the people. Like I've known them; they've been a part of life. They've encouraged yeah, yeah. me and been for me throughout the process, even though I'm way different than that, they still are, are, are pushing me and shoving me, you know, financially and emotionally and relationally. They're, they're shoving me down the street and changing the trajectory of things for me because they they believe I'm, you know, my hands are open and they've seen what has been placed in it and they, they take some things away from them at times, you know, to, to help me carry what I'm carrying better. And that part of it, that's why I go to church, man. It, it doesn't. It doesn't really have to do with the music side of it because, as I said, I don't really uh, listen to that. It, I, I get a lot. Of, I get a lot of inspiration elsewhere, and 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 for for Sundays and community, it's more about living life and knowing one another and seeing all your crap and still being in it. In to be to be in the mud. <laughs> Well, that's an interesting point too that you that that uh, you just brought up. One thing I was just thinking is, so how is worship for you? You go to church and they sing those songs that you don't really listen to that everybody else kind of knows. Maybe you're not even interested in them. Uh, does that does that affect your worship in, at church? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, here's what I love. You know, I'd love to walk in a space and and uh, you know listen to the Radiohead play something that yeah, says yeah. something to God and uh it moved me to the core of myself or you know but they're not they're not writing songs like that and I don't know that anybody like that's leading. So when you when you got a diverse group of people in the room together, I think you give up aesthetics that are are, you know, that personal and yeah, you have yeah. to somehow attach to something that, that is more communal and, and broad. And so I appreciate it. I I, I, get, I I think what I get out of it is is maybe there's a song uh, that you know. For me, one of my biggest things I don't like is is uh, worship music. <laughs> worship music and people who write worship songs, me included, is it's like Jimmy Buffett. You you got a you got a you got a very limited 
uh, vocabulary. You can you, you got to talk about the ocean. You got to talk about the beach, <laughs> the sand, the flip flop. You you got to say the same thing over and over and over, but make you feel yeah. like you're going to the beach for the first time. You know, and yeah. so your your vocabulary <laughs> is very limited, and it's very hard to create something new out of out of such a small. A collection of words and you know I, I, I've always joked about making a board game or something where you have you know all the words all the all the keywords on dice and some and, and one four five and maybe a six <laughs> that you could roll and then you, could, you could put a great song together real quick like and and yeah. that part of it bugs me um, but what doesn't bug me is is to look to my left or to my right and see somebody I know just totally in it you know just just yeah. it's it's pushing all their buttons and i'm like god dang that's beautiful you know maybe i'm not maybe yeah. this isn't me but I, but to let me be to let me disappear enough to see community and relationship and music be a, a catalyst for that even if it's not something that i'm you know yeah. i'm like i don't even know that anybody in this room lamb of god i mean which one of, who in this room has ever been a part of <laughs> a blood sacrifice and knows what the crap that is actually like. Kingdom, right, right. who the heck has, has any experience for that metaphor outside of Disney movies, you know? We've yeah, yeah, never yeah, lived, yeah. lived under a monarchy. So so this is a dead metaphor, but at the same time, it's a key word that just provokes some sort of response because of our... our uh, um, so so I, like, I like looking to my left and my right, and it brings me back into the experience of the moment rather than then focusing on my, my criticism of the song, you know? Yeah, for, for me as well, because that, that is exactly what you just said. It is the moment where you realize, well, somebody's authentically worshiping. It doesn't, who gives a shit what I'm thinking about this song right now? This person's actually, you know what I mean? Like, they're there. The same way as there's tons of country songs or other songs that I'm going, are you kidding me? This is on the radio. Like, <laughs> this happened. But I see unbelievable people, you know, like like 13-year-old go- girls losing their mind to it and, and knowing every word and all that stuff. So I, I do see the point of that. It is, I, but what you said rings so true with me. Like, here's what I wish. I wish the church just wouldn't be so scared of the truth sometimes. Like, I had a, uh, a campus pastor. I went to a, a Baptist college too for a couple of years and a campus pastor, I was like, man, you know, I just, a lot of these songs, they just, they don't speak to me. I feel it's, it's hard for me to worship. I think I've told the story for too as well. But, um, and, and I, he's, I said, you know, I'm writing songs and they're really about like some serious stuff I'm going through, you know, whether it be I'm depressed right now or my girlfriend broke up with me or I don't have any money or any future that I know of. And I'm writing these things. He said, dude, that is totally fine. That is great to write about. Just make sure the last verse or chorus says how <laughs> Jesus fixes it all. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, hold on. But I mean, I don't feel that way right now, man. I mean, I said, I'm in, I'm in the bad part. I mean, I know I, I trust Jesus. He's got all control, but I don't know the future. And so, I mean, this might stay bad for a little while. And I, I, that's kind of where I'm at. And I think other people are too. So I, like, we don't have to be afraid. Like you said, expanding that vocabulary a little bit to where like, hey, I'm going to write a song. And, and this is where I'm at, and, and it can. I'm still trying to honor God with it. I'm still trying to do that. This isn't about me, but I mean, you know, people are coming in the doors constantly, going through all kinds of stuff. And it, I do think it would be encouraging to me to hear some songs where, you're like, whoa, that, that song's true. Because you know, if Jesus is true, then it, the truth will, will always lead back to Him. And so, I just think, you know, I, I really appreciate you saying that for sure, because that that does speak to me. I, I love the re- the relationship and the aspect of that group of people getting together, regardless of the song. So, so my uh, 
uh, approval of it or not doesn't matter as much. But but I do think hopefully the church is learning. Hey, we we can just be honest here. We don't have it all together, and we can admit that sometimes. Uh, yeah, Jesus wins. He does it all. You know, I, I fully believe that. But it it'd be nice to say, hey, this is where we're at right now, and let's just let's just sit here for a minute and take a breath. But anyway, hey Dave, we had, we've had you on here for a while, man. We really do appreciate you joining us for sure. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I know we had a little bit of technical difficulty, but this has been a really good interview. Yeah, yeah we apologize so much, to, to oh, you man. for the technical problems up front. I hope this turns out good enough, and we apologize to the people out there listening to it. I have enjoyed being able to hear you with the quality that we've been able to. So, yeah, thank you for coming on the yeah, show. Me too. Um, have a good time on your bus and your show. You're in Pittsburgh, I think, right now, they said. So hopefully you have a good one. Pittsburgh is just awful place. Get out of there as soon as you can. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great. All right, Dave. We'll talk to you later, man. Absolutely. Y'all be good. Awesome. You too. All right, guys and girls. That was David Crowder. We are sorry for the technical difficulties. We definitely had a little bit. Um, uh, David was on his tour bus, and we were trying to do some creative ways to get him in there, but it was pretty good overall. I really enjoyed it. He's fun to talk to, for sure. Um, so I have a, a confession to make regarding that song that we talked about on there, and that was, I remember we talked about that on an earlier episode, and then we talked on with, with with him, and yeah. uh, th- this is true. I was in church on Sunday, and we were singing this song, one of the songs that I like that they do at the church I go to a lot. So I'm like, yeah, this song's cool. And I was thinking, I, I wonder how you could write this song. And I just started thinking about the song and the construction and the notes. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, okay. I, I see what's going on here. I was just got, I just kind of got involved musically in the song and worshipfully and all that stuff because I'd heard it a bunch of times, but I didn't know what it was. And then sure enough, a second later, it's something, a sloppy wet kiss. So it was the song that we've been talking about for a long time. I didn't even know that that was the song and, or whatever. And so, yeah, I thought that was it. I was like, oh, yeah. And plus, we just met uh, John Mark, who wrote it down and hung out with him yeah, in Australia. Yeah. So I yeah. thought that was hilarious. It's like, oh, so this song I've been singing, I already know it. I know the guy that wrote it, and I know the guy that changed it, and I didn't even know that was the song that it was the whole time. <laughs> hey, did y'all, uh, did y'all hear about the... Um, email that we got. Basically, we have a guy write us and he says, guys, I need to find out how to stop sending you money every month. I am so tired of all the shit talking (laughs) of conservatives and Republicans. Dude from Zayo says, every week there's a Republican senator suggesting we kill gays and you all laugh and go on. That's complete bullshit exclamation mark. I wish you all the best and I hope your bigger <laughs> message is spread throughout the world. However, I won't give another dime to that kind of bullshit. I have heard it one too many times from your podcast. And then he signs off. Toby, do you think there's a problem with this guy's passion for politics? Yes no, or no? <laughs> no. I mean, I'm actually extremely conservative and I want him to be able to do with his money what he wants to and not in the government's hands. So I'm sad that he left. And, and I mean, it it is true. I mean, it, a lot of Republicans throw religion in our faces. And it's that, I mean, if he doesn't recognize that, then I mean, it, and, and d- Democrats as well. I don't actually even think there's much of a difference. It's just you picked one side, and that's what you—that's who you try to talk to. You know what I mean? Like it's—it's it's just, it's just silly. I mean, it, it, it's—if if he's that upset about it that we we laughed at it, that's okay. That's his prerogative. It I, is I, his prerogative, but don't you think that there? Don't you think you, as a Christian, you can be a little too excited about politics? 
Sure, you can be too excited about anything, but yeah. I mean, this is just what he likes. I think so it's just I, entertaining to me that he would be enough of a supporter to jo- join our club and somewhere along the line, just I can't take it anymore. You can't bash conservatives. As if that's yeah. the thing. I don't, that's what I'm saying. I don't even, I'm not really aware that we bash conservatives any more than liberals. I know that people, I guess I can see why people would say that because I guess we, fe- we come across as liberal compared to what people would expect us to be. So yeah. it puts us always in that situation, but well, I mean, I don't know. I was talking to some guys the other day. I guess I would have to say I'm almost libertarian. I feel like I'm pretty fiscally conservative, and then socially, I, I think, keep the government out of stuff. Like, don't tell me what to do. Like, I, there was an interesting uh, article I read uh Last week as well, that just a uh, guy was making a good point. Oh, I was listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast, and he had uh, Glenn Beck on there. Who's oh really? Know, uh, yeah, uh, pretty interesting podcast. But his point was, government should stay completely out of all marriage. Every single thing that the government does Duh. should be called some civil union. If you want to, if you have to do it for government reasons, but let let people handle marriage. And, and you know, uh, if you want to, uh, why, why are we allowing the government, no matter if it's, it's straight or gay marriage, whatever it is, get, get the government out of this stupid. Why, why in the world do we have to go to a courthouse and say, okay, here we go. And I, like, like, you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's outrageous. And it's just a, another trick and another, if you will, big brother thing of just somebody having a say yep. in how we live our life socially. And that's just, I mean, that's just dangerous. It is. And then it causes problems down the line because somebody goes, well, you know, I mean, I've even heard people like Rush Limbaugh say that, you know what I mean? Like why, why I mean, why are we allowing the government to, to have a say in the first place? And then that makes us, all, everybody look stupid. And I don't think Jesus did that at all. And people say, well, it's not documented everything he said, but I mean, Jesus was like, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and Let's let's forget about that. I mean, people don't realize, and, and someone actually said something on Facebook about how um, something about abortion and how uh, you know Jesus. I'm sure Jesus uh, would have talked about it, or something like that. They left out the thought, the fact that abortion was extremely uh, common back in those days, and. Jesus wasn't on a big abortion track. Now, sure, he could have said some things in some sermons that, you know, people didn't write down. But I just, I don't see Jesus saying, hey, we got to fix this problem and it's got to be through the government. No, yeah. I mean, mean, that's why I love my my platform, my political platform of uh, political agnosticism. I love it. And I know people don't like that. Yeah, some Christians would say that's just totally irresponsible and even unchristian like to basically disrespect our country and no i respect our country well i'll tell you what in honor of this guy i'm gonna do my first news segment today matt kick the music i appreciate this guy's money that has helped us it is his prerogative not to not to support the bc club anymore i just want to report the damn news and sometimes it might be you don't want to hear the truth right you don't always want to hear the truth sometimes you want to hear the lies but i'm not about the lies i'm not about as joey would say the bullshit I am about the truth. So here it comes. Y'all ready for it? Yeah. Ready. This comes from the Huffington Post. Uh, Marina Fang wrote this. <laughs> Michelle Bachman. Hey. <laughs> you get a lot a, of news from a, the Huffington Post for a, a conservative. I sure do. Uh, is, a, uh, is a staunch Republican. And the title of this article is Michelle Bachman, The Rapture is Coming and It's Obama's Fault. <laughs> <laughs> In a radio interview last week, Bachman, the former Minnesota Republican congresswoman, told End Times host, she's on an End Times uh, show, 
Host Jan Markle, we need to realize how close the clock is getting to the midnight hour. We in our lifetimes potentially could see Jesus Christ returning to earth and the rapture of the church. We see the destruction, but we but this was a destruction that was foretold. Bachman cited the Obama administration's nuclear negotiations with Iran as a cause. She said, we are literally watching month by month the speed move up to a level we've never seen before with these events. Barack Obama is intent. It is his number one goal to ensure that Iran has a nuclear weapon. I mean, like... His number one goal is that. Right. So all that does is incite... Man, I hate using this word, but it's true. Ignorant, somewhat ignorant Christians to go, yeah, that Obama, see... Uh, well, yeah, fear. I'm, How about I'll give fear? Him a southern accent. Yeah, it just it's, incites fear. You're exactly right. That's even that's way more. It's control. And it just with tells fear. people, oh that's man, he's going to this guy's the bad guy. Man, our president's the bad guy. He's the bad guy. He's the bad guy. It's, it's it, nothing. I mean, it, it just blows my mind. Look, that's I the mean, oldest trick in the book, though. That's that's simple. You say, hey, this is really bad. This is really scary. You better listen to me. Right. That's, that's all it is. Like you don't know. Trust me. But this is really bad. This is this is scary. Now you better listen to me because at least I knew that. So don't you think? Maybe I should, you know, pay. Yeah, but I mean, she didn't even. uh, Just a a trick. It's just like completely deceitful. Totally, and it's just you're right. The the best word is it's a fear tactic to get people to listen to you, and it just it, it uses Christianity in a way that to talk bad about our president, which for sure. Uh, Jesus was about honoring people, uh, officials. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's just the, that's just the way it is. I mean, they, they they asked him several times, "Give to Caesar what is Caesar's," and and it, we should be praying for these people. And honestly, I don't know how many Republican Christians ever say that much nice stuff about our president. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, he was elected president. Our nation elected him. He yes, won. Yes, exactly. They followed the process, and he won. That's right. And so just, you can't just you can't say mind. not my president. You you love every president or you don't love democracy because that's how we right. got it. Whatever our system is, I love our system. I'm right. fine with whoever we get because that's the right guy that won unless they cheated on the votes or what. I mean, you can make any argument, yeah. I suppose, about how it works, but you can criticize our system. But overall, if you love America and democracy, then the right guy always wins. So you yeah. support that guy. So next time, it'll be somebody else and that's fine. I, that's good too. Yeah. I, I mean, I really do believe, uh, he, here's the thing. I actually do believe there is no chance that Obama wakes up and goes, how can I destroy America? That's what I want my <laughs> legacy to be. He wants to be remembered, like every president, as the greatest president ever. Of uh, the greatest, best president ever. That's what, when you become president, that is your goal. It is a really tough job. I mean, it's probably the hardest job in the world, and you only get criticized. Like, it, it's just crazy. And so I just think it's just it's rotten when Republicans, and I say that, and, and Democrats have their own tons of bad problems. And like I said, I would probably associate myself probably more with with Republican, conservative, libertarian views, that's kind of where I, I align. But I just I get frustrated when people like like the guy that uh, you know doesn't want to support us anymore. He, he can't be blind to that. I mean, it really is a scare tactic. That's why a lot of churches talk about politics. Yeah, that's, in, that in makes the me church real nervous. From the that churches do that. Yeah, and tell you who to vote for. I mean, it's just it's a joke. Well, tell me your regular Bill Maher over there. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> I don't really like Bill Maher. No, at all, no, that's don't. the one that's guy I that I just can't really like. <laughs> Uh, we, uh, he's probably super nice and all that stuff. I just can't. I can't. We maybe we can get him on the podcast. The uh, fear I thing to him, is crazy. I, I heard. I read an article in because uh, <laughs> the day's four twenty when we're taping this. I read an article in Christianity yeah. today about can Christians smoke weed now that it's legal? Yes, but they shouldn't, and you really can't. 
basically was the article and it was it made me so <laughs> angry because I don't smoke weed I'm not have no intent to it's legal I could buy it down the street from my house but right. gum, like it, the whole thing was like yeah because it, it'll cause other people to stumble it'll call, make poor people um, do it more and they're in a weak position anyway so yeah you might be an affluent white person that can afford to do it without a thing but think what you're doing to the lower class people that just can't handle it and um, it, it you know it says alcohol is different because I mean it's just it's just crazy and it's like so yes it is legal or whatever but we should not because clearly it's it will be bad it could cause trouble or whatever i'm just thinking it is it you have to still come down like to write an article to get clicks to get the christian post people to like it to maintain control of something you still have to tell people that you still have to tell them what they can't do like what what if an authority a good writer over there is like hey christians guess what this shit's legal now like, why wouldn't that ever be a story that a Christian or a preacher could write? Well, it, if I couldn't once, somebody go, hey, this is great. The only thing that was hanging us up was it's illegal, so maybe we could check this stuff out. Like, why couldn't that be, why couldn't that ever be said? To, I mean, Toby and I, we have a really close friend. I won't incriminate him, but he basically is extremely conservative, and he said the only reason he smokes doesn't smoke weed is because it's illegal. He said if it became legal, but, he would I mean, that's an okay point of view, and people can decide that and figure that out, and it, it's really disrespectful to people that use it, people that use it medically, and it's just shame, guilt, fear, control. Make sure you sound like you're doing the right thing. I mean, I, like I said, I don't smoke weed i don't want to i don't care if anybody else does maybe they shouldn't that's fine but you don't have to maintain control with the with the rules of everything and and honestly it would be really cool what if your daughter what if your daughter does it (laughs) you sick son of a bitch what if georgia little cute little georgia starts toby just don't think about it toby don't think about it Anyway. What a silly argument. Guess what? She probably is going to smoke weed. Guess I'm, what? I'm sure a she will. shitload of people have in their life. Guess what else they do? They have sex outside of marriage. You know what? We tell them, don't do it. They do it. We say, don't do bad things. They do bad things. My parents told yeah, me, don't do probably bad things. More directly they didn't related. teach me anything. All they said is, don't do something because it's bad. <laughs> and then I go, it doesn't seem that bad. It sure makes me cooler with my friends. It sure feels good. Well, a lot of people say that the amount of re- the the amount of repression will you know is like inversely or directly proportional to the amount of you know stuff stuff that winds up being done a- as a counter to that because it's suppressed or repressed and then it's just going to come out. So but I tell you one thing, I ain't no damn liberal. I ain't no yeah. damn liberal. All right, Matt. This next article is for you, my friend. Yes. And uh, this is from Rising Stars, and this uh, nice lady named Megan Walsh wrote this. Um, and I thought this was really interesting. Uh, I won't read the whole thing, but I'll just give you a little intro here. Uh, on, a sunny sun, on a sunny afternoon at a bustling cafe less than a mile from Stanford University in Palo Alto, the university's Palo Alto campus, and more than 5,000 miles from his home, an assistant professor from MIT is telling me about science, very advanced science. His name is Jeremy England. And at 33, he's already being called the next Charles Darwin. Dang. All right, let me give you the 101 version of his big idea is this. Under the right conditions, a random group of atoms will Mm self-organize, unbidden, to more effectively 
use energy. Over time and with just the right amount of, let's say, sunlight or a a cluster of atoms Mm -hmm. could come remarkably close to what we call life. In fact, here's a thought. Some things we consider inanimate actually may already be alive. It all depends on how we define life. And then something uh, England's work might prompt us to reconsider. People think of the origin of life as a as being a rare process, uh, says Vijay Pandey, uh, a Stanford chemistry professor. Jeremy's proposal makes life a consequence of physical laws, not something random. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Matt? That there's just atoms, and they will self-organize due to energy, say something like sunlight, right. to handle energy more effectively. Well, I can't understand why everything's not living, honestly, because of atoms. Like atoms, they have electrons in motion, so it just doesn't make sense. Like even a rock, you mean? Like yeah, rock, or like even hill. this table is like there's atoms <laughs> that are seem to be alive, so it's weird that the Okay, well, my question, well, Matt, see if you can answer this. Okay. Can I ask you a question? Okay, this is what I want think. Matt to answer my question. Well, that's I'll, what I'll, I'll I'm get gonna, there. I'm go, gonna, go ahead and tell uh, me. I have basically the same oh, question. Oh, yeah, it's your damn news. No, it is. Uh... Basically, my question is, why wouldn't everything be alive? Like, if, if our bodies, if he's saying that, you know, something became a molecule mm-hmm. and then whatever, an amoeba and blah, 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 to a human, that we are using energy more efficiently, why wouldn't a rock or a mountain right. or a stone? Right. Well, when, so you, when you do try to define life, it does, it does become very ambiguous. So it's uh, right. like if you ask somebody their definition of life, if you just ask a lay person or Joey or somebody, then it's, it'll get real confusing <laughs> real fast. Shut up. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It, it'll get real confusing real fast because you'll say, but, but I, it, it'll turn into where you just go, yeah, but I, I know it's alive. I know what's alive and what's not. So a good case for something that's hard to argue or, or it's easy to argue and not be clear on is a virus, for instance. So um, is it anything that replicates is alive? Like, if it can replicate itself, if it can feed on others, if it can have metabolic process, does, I mean, does it have to digest stuff? Does it, you know, reproduction? Con- Sometimes right. people say, oh, consciousness. You go, well, duh, a bacteria it doesn't have a consciousness, but it's alive, so it's not whether or not you can think. Or if you could have a consciousness that could exist in a computer or cloud, could that be alive? You know, so it, it, every, all the way down from viruses on then on the other end, androids and artificial intelligence, are those things alive? It, there's really no great way to define it that is satisfactory, um, or to me at least. I don't. I think that's that's one thing. And the other thing that this article is talking about is one of the big uh, arguments that Christians use is life would never come out of not life because. And this is what this is what this really boils down to for everybody is. They would say even science says, and I don't know what it is the first law or one of the laws of thermodynamics say that. Uh, things become disordered over time and entropy and things break down essentially unless a ton of energy or input is put into something and right. then then things don't become more organized if you leave your house alone it'll become even if you don't put it, if you don't put any energy into keeping things organized they become disorganized so life would never come out of disorder in the universe of an exploding big bang or whatever so that's what people are challenging they say life could not arise and what he's saying is in many cases, we do see systems self-organize when there is enough in a specific, not ultimately but by the end of time, when the universe ends in heat death or whatever it is, but in certain instances of time, when enough energy is put into a focused thing, we do see things self-organize. So life could, as ambiguous as life is and how stuff works and molecules self-organizing with enough input from the sun, then that's, that's how they believe how, life What is self-organizing? I don't understand that. How, you mean just an atom... 
has uh, a proton electron. Well, look at a stuff. look at a crystal or a diamond. How about that? So you have crude right. oil, and then in a coal, and then it's more smashed, and eventually it's a highly organized molecule of a diamond. Right? You know what the structure right. of that's like. So, right. so that that'd be an example. But that was all outside forces, like forcing Ener- it to become yep, a diamond. Energy right? put in—that's what it's saying. So when you put in enough energy, it causes something to become more organized, and not not matter factly, but there's situations when um, things can self-organize with a general amount of energy, focus energy put in, such as the pressurization of, of right. coal into diamonds or whatever that, which isn't—I don't think exactly yeah. the case. But that's an, that'd be an example. So it'd be basically like, uh, say you have a chicken and then you cook it and you deep fry it, and you have then some you, chicken, and then you give it to like a, a large bald man right, and, and becomes, it cre- creates like a joy. Uh, just Do you have a, some chicken se- on Totally self-organizes his serotonin right back into <laughs> right back into the promised land. Do you have some fried chicken? I promise you if you eat fried chicken the next time you're sad <laughs> I will pay the bill. It's just not true. Then prove me wrong. I've tried it 10 times man. Every time I've gotten depressed since that day uh, it made me so happy but not since then. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your diligence. Uh, okay, here's my last one. Um, I, there was I had a, a couple of other news. You've lost uh, some weight, Toby. Thank you. A little bit. I appreciate that, friend. I've been working hard, hardly working. All right, uh, this comes from Distractify.com. Archaeologists found a massive dildo from the 18th century. <laughs> <laughs> Polish archaeologists made quite the huge discovery when they pulled out this sex toy during a recent dig. They found the dildo in a toilet while digging in an ancient bathroom in the Baltic city of Dansk. Maybe it's a silent G. G-D-A-N-S-K. Gdansk? Like the Smurfs you say, Gdansk. The researchers believe the owner dropped it into the toilet by accident. It's a shame because once cleaned... They realized it was made of high-quality leather and was probably an expensive item. And they have pictures of it. And, I mean, it's a nice-looking schlong. So they took it away. And, Come on, man. And I guess they're going to maybe display it on some point. But, I mean, that is – I mean, sex toys have been around for a really long time. Yeah, definitely. The Flintstones. I mean, Barney and uh, Martha. Betty. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's Barney's Barney and wife? Martha. Barney and Martha Betty. Flintstone. <laughs> Betty. Then what's Fred's wife? Wilma. 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 That's right. Yeah. Not Martha. <laughs> Why do you have to? I'm talking about a dildo here, and you have to take my childhood and bring the dildo to that. <laughs> <laughs> Your childhood. 